And we're back. Another episode of Talking Maiden. The podcast of the beast. The Brave New World podcast. The final Brave New World episode. I know. When we emerge from this post-pandemic Brave New World (laughs) and a new album emerges. It's a good album. I don't think there's anything wrong with talking about it for seven hours. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There you go. So we we, uh, have limited beer supplies because of this situation. So today we're going to drink a... So where we're doing this one, obviously, remotely. You're at your house. I'm in my house. Yeah. And I have a good selection of beer here, but we went through our beer fridges, and uh, Guinness is the one that we have in common. A Guinness Draught. (laughs) Guinness Draught. Guinness Draught beer. Um, you can probably hear the widget inside clinking around. Yeah, you can. Oh man, I love a Guinness. I love a Guinness too. It's a good solid beer. Uh, let me play the the our classic uh, beer clip, and then we'll get into these Guinness. Do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers. Oh yeah. Do you know when I pour a Guinness? Oh, there we go. I spilled a bit on my table. I excited. I just basically make as much of a mess as I can. Nitrogen in there. Yeah, you gotta wake it up. Yeah, turn the can right upside down. Yeah. Well, that's what the nitrogen does in in the widget, right? It gives it that creamy, teeny bubbles. Creamy. Oh god, it's so good. Yeah. Oh no, I'm just gonna let. You know, I've never had the Trooper Nitro. Remember the Trooper Nitro, the nitrogen kegged Trooper beer? No. No. It's the same beer as the Trooper, so I don't count that as a maiden beer, as a separate maiden beer. It's just Trooper. Yeah. And we had the, well, we've had the Trooper on tap, and we've had the Trooper in the Right, at the brewery. Yeah. Right, we went to Robinson Brewery when we were... Mm, uh, Back in the day. Yeah. I've got this, we can see each other on Zoom. It's basically all ahead right now, this thing. Um, I love Guinness cans. Do you know what got me into it? In Ireland... um, over Christmas. Oh, Christmas in Ireland is the best place. Uh, but uh, they used to sell the Guinness uh, for a pound euro at, like, the, the supermarkets. And this was only, a pound or a euro? Uh, a euro, sorry. Okay. A euro. A can. Uh, you know, in, in, a, in a 12 or a 24 tray. Yep. And, you know, this was one of these, like, Christmas things you do, like, a, a two weeks out, three weeks out. So two, three weeks out from Christmas, one euro cans. And, like, oh, it's an amazing deal. Amazing deal, which, to put it in perspective, I mean, we pay over three euro a can now. I mean, this was 10 years ago. But even then, you know, a pint was five euro in the pub or near on it. And uh, I would buy, every time I would go to the store, I'd buy, like, a 24 tray because I I used to walk. So I'd walk with this tray with my groceries (laughs) on top of it. And I stacked them in, like, my closet. So, like, four stacks of 24 trays. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I'd just come home, then I'd pull my can out. And, and you know, obviously I preferred my local Smiths in, uh, on Huntington Road in Dublin was my, my spot. But, uh, you know, when that wasn't, when, I, when it was late at night or when, you know, I didn't go to Smiths, I'd come home and have one of these lovely constructions. It feels like when you drink a pint of or a can of Guinness at home, it feels like you're drinking like a proper pint. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? I mean... Um, oh, what was your bar in Dublin that you used to go to all the time? Smith's on Haddington okay. Road. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I love that bar. Um, every time I go back, I go right there, and I still know everybody in it. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and of course I still track them on Facebook and stuff. Like it's funny because when I first moved to Dublin, um, I got in this like I rented a room off someone to like get myself sorted because I was moving over from Manchester. And then uh you know, I started hanging out there and a friend of mine was like, You're a, a big United supporter and I said, Yeah. He said, You should go to this pub on Hankton Road, like they all watch United there all the time. So I went down there and of course they had every every match and they had Satanta Sports too, so like you could see the three o'clock Saturday games, which is a big thing. Uh in England you can't see them. And uh anyway, I, I, I felt so in love with the pub that I moved six months later to be like next to the pub. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I was like down the road from the pub and I would just go there all the time. I mean, to the point, like I was on the golf trips with them. I used to text the bartender. We, we were, uh, on the, uh, Lansdowne was just at the end of Paddington road down past beggars bush and the rugby would happen. And like Smith would like pack up. I mean, you could barely get in there and I'd walk in and I'd be going to have a piss or whatever. I walk by the barman and it's like five people deep in front of me. He just looks and I'm like, I just give him the finger, you know? Yeah, I'll have one. And he lays it over on the side and I pay for it after. And so it's like the place yeah. is rammed and I'm still getting a pint as soon as I look, look at the bartender. It's, it's just, oh, it's such a great. could be a regular. Oh, I invested <laughs> in that place, man. I can tell you that. But yeah, Guinness is, uh, no matter what, like me and you always have these imported beers and these micro brews and stuff in the fridge. Always Guinness in the back of the fridge. It just, uh, I always got four in my fridge. Default. Um, let's get into the album. Yeah, let's, let's wrap this up. Beer talk. Let's uh, kill this Guinness off is it. hitting the spot, but, uh, yeah. the thin line between love and hate. Yes. Dave Murray and Steve yeah. Harris. Eight minutes, 26 seconds, album closer. Yeah. The last song on Brave New World. So, last song on Brave New World, last Maiden song for us to cover on the podcast. Yes. This is the last one. We did every single song on every album. We did every B-side. Huh. We did, I think we've done, ev- we even did, like, different mixes of different songs. And uh, I think we've done every single, this is the last song for us to do. Every single yeah. Maiden song now. Wow. This Remember is we talked about song. by the time we get through, like, all these albums, we'll have, like, everything. We've done everything. Yeah. Until this next album comes out, man, I got one line. Well, I've got I've got two points, but my first line on this song is this, and I think this sums it up perfectly. Okay. An amazing ballad, insane vocals, blistering solos. I love oh, yeah. this song. I love so, this fucking song. I love it too. So I, yeah. yeah, I can't say enough good stuff about this song. Dave Murray wrote this. By far, his best song he's ever written. Like he outdid himself. It's just great. It's it's a hard song to take in at first because it's got this really like progressive kind of structure to it. Um, Steve Harris actually wrote the lyrics, but the song was written by Dave Murray. It's a huge song. Uh, great build, cool breakdown in the middle. Bruce's vocals on this blow the like blow your mind. It's so awesome. Tons of emotion in it from like the guitar playing, like all the solos have a lot of they're not just shredding they're like really emotional solos and they re- the melodies are in there like it just oh i can't say enough good stuff five yeah. guitar solos in this song all by dave murray i'm gonna play clips of every single one <laughs> <laughs> i, but I love you, the song how, how did you work that out it's like the end of the album obviously they didn't record it in order but he's like yeah uh, guys there's five solos i, I gotta do them all you know <laughs> well they're so melodic and they're such vital parts of the song yeah, I know he could have probably like given one off to someone, but 
this is Dave Murray's like baby. You know what I mean? I think this is like Dave's big showcase song. If you're discussing Dave Murray, I would go straight to this song as like his main accomplishment as far as like songwriting. Yeah. Like there's no other Dave Murray song that like compares to this. This is just I love the song. Yeah. There's no slow bluesy Dave intro on this one though. No. But it like it goes right into this like chugging riff. So they start with this riff and they continually come back to this riff over like eight and a half minutes of the song. So this is the riff that they open the song with. So you think it's like, it's this really like sludgy riff. It's heavy. Hmm. And you kind of think, if you've never heard the song before, like, where's this going? This is very like a sludgy, slow plodding thing. But then it kind of cuts in like, I guess, double time. And Bruce comes in with the vocals. Yeah. And he does this like, the verse, which is like, the lyrics are very cool. If I just read the lyrics without hearing the song, I don't know how cool I'd think they are. Yeah. But it's, it's a lot of like good and bad, good and evil when a person turns to wrong, is it a want to be belong? Part of things at any cost, at what price a life is lost. It's very like, yeah, you know, it's very cheddar. Yeah. yeah, it's cheesy. But and the the way he starts it off, it's too, the delivery, like, the delivery of the lyrics. Yeah, exactly. Because when he yeah. starts it off, you know, when a person turns to wrong, you know, and then what price a life is lost, and all of this is like, eh. But then, like, when he gets, you know, I will hope my soul will fly, and he starts, like, just ramping up. Yeah, oh, Bruce, my God. If you were trying to prove to someone in a debate that Bruce is, like, an amazing singer, yeah, this could be one of the songs that I would hit and be like, listen to this. It's just pa- the power in his voice in the song. But this is, like, Dave Murray's, you know, not Charlotte the Harlot or Still Life or Deja Vu or The Prophecy. They're all great songs, but this is the best thing Dave Murray has ever written, in my opinion. The bet by far. Deja Vu. <laughs> but it's cool. Like, yeah, which I love. I love Deja Vu. It's a good one. Deja and I love Still Life, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it comes out of that chugging thing, and it goes into the verses. And, yeah. and then this chorus, which is, I guess, a pre-chorus. Yeah. This is the part I'm talking about. At what point do we begin? Fight a spirit will to win. But what makes a man decide? So if that was the chorus, I still think this would be an awesome song. Like, it's pretty yeah. cool. And I like the way the drums kind of change up behind it. Um, and then you get another verse that leads up to the chorus again. So if this is a new song to you and you didn't know the song, you would think that you were going to get that chorus again. Yeah. But you get something completely different from Bruce. And it's one of, like, my all-time favorite Bruce choruses. Some of us, no matter what, will never change. 
That's just awesome. I love that part. Oh, it's so, so amazing. Cool. That's everything I love about Iron Maiden. Another thing that's cool is, so the entire song up to this point has like this two-part harmony going through the verse and that first chorus that like, pre, I guess it was like a first chorus and this is the second chorus. But up until now, it's been Bruce singing in harmony with himself. Yeah. But then when he comes to this part, these like soaring vocals, it's just a single vocal line from Bruce. There's a little bit of echo on there, but like it's just his voice and it sounds super powerful. It's awesome. I just love when he hits that part. You always talk about those parts where you just want to like oh, ma- man. make a fist and raise your hand in the sky and like sing it. The yeah. amount of times I've like sung myself hoarse to this song in the car, driving around with the windows rolled up. <laughs> yes. This is a great album for that. It's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This song in particular, I can't get over, like, Bruce's vocal performance on this. It's so great. It's one of the best verses in Maiden songs, I think. It's really cool. Yeah, for me, it's it's right up there with Evil the Men Do. Yeah, it's the same kind yeah. of vibe, yeah. Yeah. And he comes out of that, and that just sets up the first Dave Murray solo. <laughs> That's a short and sweet preview of what you're going to get from Dave Murray in the song. But it's cool. Yeah. He injects a little, like, Dave Murray guitar style in there. Yeah. And then they do the verse. They come into the chorus a third time. And then there's another Dave Murray solo. And then they hit you with two of the second choruses back-to-back, which is my favorite part of the song. So this is, like, Dave Murray solo number two into the double chorus, which I love. I know people complain a lot about Maiden like doubling up on courses and getting repetitive. But when you have a soaring vocal like that from Bruce and he nails it twice in a row like that, like I can't get enough of it. I think it's great. Oh man. It's like amazing. I don't find it over repetitive. I don't find it overly long. I love it. Yeah. It's great. It's, yeah. it's Bruce at his best. Yeah. And you're only halfway through the song at this point. You already have two guitar solos from Dave and Bruce nailing three of those amazing courses. And you're only halfway through the song. You're not even halfway through the song yet. It's, I don't know, it's awesome. Then the song goes back into that chugging riff from the beginning. And Dave lets another solo rip. And the ones up till now, they've been like those first two. They're him. He's kind of doing his like shredding, noodling guitar thing. They're very cool. They fit the part of the song where he's like dropping them in perfectly. This one is one of those like really emotional bluesy solos that we always talk about from Dave Murray. 
love that end. It's such great guitar playing from Dave Murray. Mm. It's awesome. He's, I just love that whole part. Yeah, it, it took us every single Iron Maiden song, but I'm, I think he's a good <laughs> guitar. I think he's a good guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes out of that solo, and then it breaks down to this really mellow part. And Dave lets loose with this like guitar melody. And then Bruce comes in with the vocal line. And you know the one I'm talking about. This is like the centerpiece of the song to me. such yeah. a cool part that's like the centerpiece of the song that's amazing like there's all these yeah. solos and stuff and it's just awesome and then it breaks down into that and it's just that one line he just nails it yeah it's so great the what is it you called that before when the uh, guitar melody matches the lyrics yeah he's kind of like teasing yeah. the vocal melody with the guitar he does it twice yeah. and then bruce comes in and does it once with the vocals that's right it's sometimes kind of- like when you isolate these clips I you know, and you're playing it, y'all I always think like the vocals come in before or after because there's some parts where it's melodic yeah. and you clip it. You know what I mean? When you hear yep. the full song, you always get the timing. Sometimes um you can you can you can get the timing off. That's so cool. It's awesome. Yeah. And then it comes out of there, it ramps back up again. That's kinda of like this little pause in the middle. And then you get another Dave Murray solo. That's, a that's little, good. Yeah, and they go into a little intro riff yeah. after that, but that's a kind of a cool solo too. That was a little bit greedy. That could have been a Yannick solo. You could have thrown a little, could have thrown a little Yannick in there. No, 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 guys, I gotta have all four solos. Five. Five? Is yeah. there five? Oh my god. Yes, there's five solos because he goes into another one after that. He goes into this solo. That's that's pretty small. Yeah, but it's still cool. You could days. argue that's part partly like kind of a transition. I mean, what's that? Fifteen seconds. Tops? Yeah, but it's still I count it as a solo. Dave Murray. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's a solo. And it winds down into Bruce singing that thin line between love and hate line one last time. I'm gonna play. This is how the song ends, which is awesome.
So that's the end of the song. Yeah. The end of the album. It's like the end of any questions about if like Maiden reunion would live up to expectations, I think. It's just like yes. I think this is one of the best things they've recorded. And they yes. can, they fin- they use it as a closer on the reunion album and I think that like there's no question that Maiden is back. And at the end there's a little clip of Nico uh talking and here it is I cranked it up a bit so you can hear it better. <laughs> So you get Nico, so he's like, oh, I fucking missed it. Because apparently they changed up the drumming at the end a few times while they're rehearsing. And Nico thought that he screwed up the ending, but he didn't. And so at the end they record yeah. it, and after they go through this take, and he's like, oh, I fucking missed it. But he didn't really mess it up. And it's a cool tag, and Bruce also comes in. You hear Bruce, and he's like, can't keep that on tape. And they're all kind of laughing. Yeah. And I think that's a kind of a cool thing to leave on your the end of your reunion album. Yeah. Like an Easter egg for fans. Because, like, you know how there's kind of a bit of bad blood between, like, Steve and Bruce and, you know, everyone left and then they came back. And everyone's kind of wondering, like, our Maiden, they're back together, but what's the dynamic in the band like? Is it just, like, you know what I mean? And you hear this thing at the end and you're like, oh, they're having fun in the studio. They sound like they're back. They're a band. They're all having fun. There's no weird, like, bad blood or... You know what I mean? Yeah. and It's just a cool thing to leave there. And not only that, well, not that the album wouldn't tell you it anyway, but that they're not just in there for like some commercial reunion to make a few quid, the, you know, because that does happen quite a bit, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, man, this album just screams not just we're, like we're back. In some ways, we're better than ever. I mean, we're as good as ever. Yeah. We're better than ever. We're now. Like I would, and better. I would always take an album as good as the best now is better than an album that is the best in the past. You know what I mean? Like, cause you, you know that. Say that again. You're taking So what? if, if, if you can release an album at a stage now, that's as good as your best albums, then it's better. Oh yeah. Then it's better because yeah, it's now. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. Because it's yeah. now, right? Like, yeah. You, you're, when you're 20 something yeah. and you put out an awesome metal album. Yeah. It's an accomplishment, but like when you're that age and it's like 30 years later, yeah, you know what I mean? And you're putting out, well, 25 years later, and you're putting out these like albums that are as good as, like, I think this is as good as like Power Slave, Peace of Mind era stuff. You know, I... It's a big accomplishment to do at that age, I think. Yeah. In the lead, this has always been one of my top few albums. It's always been one I gravitated to early. It's always been one I loved. And yeah. as we've gone through all the albums, and we've gone through them all now, um, some have just leaped in my mind. Dance of Death went from a, oh, I didn't really like it to a really good album. X, Dance of Death was yeah. bottom three for me, and that went way up. Way up. Covered it. Yeah. yeah, both of us. X Factor, it was already up for you, but it leaped for me. Somewhere yeah. in Time, for me, was middle of the pack, good album to just like amazing. I would agree with yeah. that too. Somewhere in Time was middle of the pack for me, and it, it jumped up. It jumped way up. This one, the, yeah, was yeah. already high, and now it's sky high. Challenging yeah, for favorite album. album. You know? Uh, tell me now what a weak spot on this album is. There's, there's no weak tracks. Is there a weak part of even a song? I don't think so. No, the there's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing. There's 
the the only criticism that I think we came up with was a few of them. Um, you know, there was a few repetitive parts in right. some songs. Which I don't mind. Which I actually yeah. loved in most of these. Yeah. You know. Well, it's like this one when they double up the chorus of Thin Line Between Love and Hate. Yeah. To me, I'm like, yes, more. <laughs> That's right. I know. I know. And Out of the Silent Planet, like, I don't find that repetitive at all. Yeah. I just love it. But that's just me. I don't know. But it didn't just <laughs> jump up, you know, to the top. Like, it's all top albums for me now. That's the other thing. Like, you know, I've got my three well, that's or the four. That's the thing. It's so hard to rank them now. Yeah. Yeah. And even the ones that we yeah. that we kind of beat up on. I mean, Virtual Eleven, we were pretty hard on recently. Fear of the Dark, you know, you were, you were you said it was your least, but I liked a lot, large aspects of it. We were both kind of yep. disappointed with No Prayer uh, Brews. Everything else, right. I think, we have very, very, very high takes on. And those three, yep. we all know there's bright spots on them. So, like, you know, would probably be the average band has four or six albums. They'll probably be in the top two or three of that band. But with Iron Maiden, we're yeah. at 16. We've got these three questionable albums, which are six or fives out of tens, you know, and we're blessed with all these eights and nines and tens. And this this album, for me, the change doing this hasn't just been that it's re- that it's jumped up it's now really i don't know because we spent so much time in the lead up to this clarifying the blaze debate then doing the uh, no prayer then just recently doing virtual 11 and none of it really in the 90s the transition the adrian's gone a lot of people break it down to blaze versus bruce but there's so much more going on and they come back with yeah. this and it wasn't, you know, a three pointer with the clock out, but it was close. And but they nailed it. And it's so oh, they totally nailed it. Good. And it's just yeah. they're back and they're as good as ever. And it could have it could have gone the other way and we wouldn't have this podcast. You know, and it didn't. And it just they just nailed it and they're still amazing. And everything they've done since this album has been awesome. Come at me on that. Uh, anyone come at me on that. Everything since this album has been perfection. Like, there's some spots on albums people might not love. It's been awesome. Awesome. All of these albums. Yeah. It's just they kicked off a golden new era of Iron Maiden with this album, and they're still going. Right. Well, that's one of the things we kind of figured out while we were doing this podcast is everyone talks about the the it was the Paul era, then we always talk about this, and the Bruce era, yeah. and the Blaze era, and then Bruce again. But it's, I just think of it as... The Adrian Smith era, the non-Adrian era, and then the Adrian era again. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Totally. And Adrian coming back. Like, the Wicker Man as an opener with Adrian Smith. Yeah. And it's just awesome. And then the fact that Yannick stayed in the band, if he hadn't, you wouldn't have Ghost of the Navigator. You wouldn't yeah. have The Mercenary. You wouldn't have Dream of Mirrors. And you wouldn't have Out of the Silent Planet on this album. All Yannick. Mm. So, like, they come back together and everyone's like, oh, they kept Yannick, the new guy. They kept him. And I was like, yeah, he wrote half this album, which is like one of their best albums. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That's right. And then Dave Murray, who's always been contributing a track here or there, right? He's like, he's not a, a, a very prolific like songwriter as far as like Maiden. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he steps up on this album and it's like the whole band goes up and steps it up to like this high level. And Dave comes in at the end with the song that is like his best song, one of Maiden's best closers. And he just knocks it out of the park with this amazing song. Like Dave Murray even, like, he's on a whole other level. It's like everyone is clicking. Everything's firing. They're energized. I can't get over how good this album is. Yeah. 
And it's really going to be weird now when we do our episode where we rank the albums. I don't know how we do it. The the thin line between love and hate too as as a closer on what you see now as a rebirth album, the brave new yeah. world, you know, starts off with some of these, you know, uh, wicker band kind of interesting concepts. I know it's not a concept album. We talked about that last time, <laughs> but you know, and breaks through all this epic maiden lore, and then at the end, the thin line. Which you know is a is a very cool theme, but yeah. you're on a knife's edge, a razor's edge, um, and <laughs> you know they've recorded this and they feel great, and this is the final track. But it could have gone. There's a thin line between success and failure for them at this stage, and it's an interesting perspective on all this. The Brave yeah. New World album, it's the new century, and they've come out of it and they're rising from the ashes, and they just. They hit an absolute grand slam with this album. I mean, you can, you can, even if it's not your favorite, we've had fans write it, even if you nitpick here or there, you honestly cannot give me an example of a band that have had the success that they had so much earlier, had such a rough period, finding their way, comes back together and delivers this. I mean, it's unreal. Unreal. It's like coming out of retirement at the Olympics and figure skating and just hitting triple axel after triple axel after triple axel. Like, who does this? It's just un, un, unheard of. It's Even if it's not your perfect Maiden album, just the, the context in which they delivered it, it's unreal. Yeah, and they really had to knock it out of the park. They couldn't have come back with, like, a lukewarm, half-decent yeah. half album. Yeah, because... They, they had yeah. to come back and prove to everyone that they're better than ever. And I think they did it, man. This album's I can't say enough good stuff about this album. No, I love it. I love the look of it. it every time I see it, it makes me smile. I just love this album. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. I, I oh man. It's one of my favorite albums. They've never played this song live. No? Nope. Which is a shame because I think they could do a good job of it. And I think Bruce could knock this out of the park live because it's mm. those long sustained notes that he can really do live well you know what i mean yeah it's just too many epics on this album to play you know yeah and it's taking up 10 minutes of your set list is you know a song that i would say most maiden fans would not they might be you know casually familiar with it you mm. know what i mean so with the three big epics dream of mirrors nomad thin line between love and hate i think we had said previously dream of mirrors would be our third I think we'd both say Thin Line number one. Of the of, over... Of the epics. The, of the epic... The Dream of Mirrors, the Nomad, epic length. Thin Line, yeah. yeah. All over eight and change. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I did, like, yeah. this is one of my favorite songs on the album for sure. Yeah. I Yeah, I've, I know I just raved about it for half an hour. I love the song. Yeah, this, album, this album's full of favorites. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If this is like someone's first listen to our podcast uh we're not always like this about albums no. go listen to uh some of the 90s maiden album yeah. episodes we're f- critical it's just i don't have, i can't i don't have a lot to criticize about this album yeah it's great this it's like this beast power slave peace of mind i put this album up there with those yes i would as well somewhere in time yeah yeah and and Seven Sun for me has always been one of my favorites because of the, oh I forget about Seven yeah. Sun I can't believe I didn't mention that it's yeah. one of my favorites because you know some people don't like the uh, the synth stuff that's going on and uh, the keyboards and that but for me I love the the cheesiness aspect of it and that that's all over this album there's loads the of other thing about here. this album yeah. 
that makes this album so great mm. is whenever I think of this album, it's hard not to think of this album without tying it into Rock and Rio. Yeah. And that's an amazing live album with like so much, so many of these songs on it. Yeah. And the video, like I, that, when that concert video came out, I watched it so, so much. Yeah. To the point where like when I went back and listened to the album, these almost didn't seem like the versions of the songs. You know what I mean? You get so used to hearing the live versions. Yeah. Uh, you, like, and it's all intertwined. And this whole era of like the reunion, this album, Rock and Rio, the video, the album, the live album. It's just there's so much all tied together in this era that I don't know. I just love this album. I am Blaze Bailey. You're listening to Talking Maiden, the podcast of the beast. Possibly the best podcast in the world. Yeah, the uh, the the thing about rock and reel, which which I think it's an interesting take on it, is I've when I've watched it, I, I don't have the the Blu-ray, but I've seen it quite a few times. I got it digitally. Um, yeah. I can't remember what we covered it for. We did it before. I've always looked at it of the perspective of um how massive the crowd is, right, and how intense. Oh, rock and reel. Yeah. yeah, and that's the yeah. that's the way I've always viewed it. But now. This whole doing this album again in the follow-up from the 90s is really putting this in a lot more perspective. And I know we've always thought of Brave New World as Bruce is back and you know Adrian's back. Yeah. But, but I mean, now it's really kind of resonating with me a lot more. I don't know why. Maybe because the virtual... No, 11. it's good that we kind of went yeah, through in, yeah, like and really went into detail with like the non-Adrian era. Yeah. And ending with Virtual 11. And then we kind of didn't plan it that way but it ended up when we had a few albums left we kind of planned it that way that we would do virtual 11 then right into brave new world exactly and it's kind of cool when we've done all the albums and the history behind all the albums and you really understand what was going on with within the band during all the 90s and the blaze era it drives home that much more and you have a whole new appreciation for this album yes and it's pretty cool and it to link it to link that the rock and reel back to what you said yeah. in I think one of the first episodes of this this series on Brave New World. What Bruce was playing some clubs there was like what, eight hundred, two thousand people? Yeah, and, they're both yeah. And look at the break look look at the, the rock and reel D V D. And oh, yeah. there's that many people working crowd control. I mean, oh, yeah, it's insane. Yeah. It is an insane transition, and he is. Yeah. That's a huge tour. He's yeah. the better part of forty there, so he's he's forty and or right there. So to be you know thirty six, thirty eight, playing these clubs, and then all of a sudden you're in that stage. That's crazy. Yeah, it's a big tour, the Brave New World tour. We'll talk about the tour a bit. Um. Started in June second, two thousand. Uh, ended March twenty first, two thousand two. Ninety sh- shows scheduled, and they played eighty one. Um, there's like a European leg, a North American. There's like I'm not sure how you break the legs down. They went into Japan, Latin America, and they ended in Rock and Rio, and then they came back to the UK for three nights at Brixton Academy in London. Um, bigger than ever. Like they're right back to the you know the power slave popularity they sold out in madison square garden in two hours which uh 
that was a pretty big deal in 2000. It wasn't like now when Ticketmaster buys all their own tickets to resell. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's amazing. I read a interview with Steve Harris back in this uh, era before the Brave New World tour. And he says, uh, I don't see much difference between this tour and the last one with Blaze. We played a few gigs with a few more people, but as far as audience reactions go, there's not much in it. It's a difference, but not a huge one. Who said that? <laughs> Steve Harris. So he's always yeah. like, I think he just doesn't want to downplay that Maiden was in a bit of a lull. Yeah. Because he always kind of maintains that like Maiden, was, you know, has been going along, doing their thing. The fans love it. Yeah. But that's but, uh, so, that's is, so measurably a steve Steve thing to say yeah yeah exactly i mean you went through you know the size of the venues that they were playing previously and then part of it was the time and a lot of things change and it's not just blaze and bruce it's adrian as well and you know and there's a re-energize there so you know i mean so it's not just that bruce is back dave's better on this album you know nico's energized Yannick's doing great. Oh, the n- difference in Nico yeah. on this album from Virtual Eleven is huge. It doesn't even sound like the same person. Mm. It's crazy. Fun- something funny about this tour. Well, not funny, but something to note on this tour. July eighth in Germany, Yannick takes a spill and hurts his back and gets a concussion, and they have to cancel three shows. Wow. Um. So they're playing Number of the Beast, the first song of the encore, and I actually have a clip of when it happens, and this is what it sounded like. So then after that, they posted on ironmaiden.com. It says, he was knocked unconscious and received a gash across his forehead, which required six stitches and also sprained his back and had severe bruising in a number of places. Fears that he may have suffered much more serious injury were not realized after Yannick was taken immediately by ambulance to a local hospital for x-rays and treatment. Yannick has now been released and has returned to London following medical advice from the hospital. That he must take a full week off for recovery. Unfortunately, this has meant that the band will have to cancel their shows in Essen and the shows in Sofia and Athens. 
Well, that says a lot about what he's worth if they can't go on without him. Yeah, so they canceled three shows with Yannick. Uh, mm. Took a spill. So that sounds like a pretty bad uh, fall. Yeah. Wow. But he was okay, and he came back and finished the tour. Yeah. Now you'd get a lot of shtick for that, but 20 years ago, he was a younger man. So it had to be yeah. serious. Um, the set list for this tour, they opened with Arthur's Farewell, yeah. which is sounds like this. And then they go into The Wicker Man, Ghost of the Navigator, Brave New World. Yep. All from this album. Wrathchild, Two Minutes to Midnight, then Blood Brothers, Sign of the Cross, The Mercenary, The Trooper, Dream of Mirrors, The Klansman, The Evil That Men Do, Fear of the Dark, and Iron Maiden. The Encore is Number of the Beast, Hallowed, and Sanctuary. And uh, there's a few shows where they played The Fallen Angel instead of The Mercenary. Awesome song. The guitars on that live version sound great. You know what would have been a funny track to play in the encore? What's that? Wasted Years. Why would it be funny? Oh, because... It's like a reunion, the reunion. You know? Yeah. They also played Out of the Silent Planet live, mm. which uh, we played before, but I'll play that clip again. They played this a few times.
So they played Fallen Angel and Out of Silent Planet a few times. Mm. The other thing about this tour that I noticed listening to bootlegs. So the European and Canadian tours, the European, <clears throat> the European and Canadian legs of this tour seem great. Um, for some reason, the American leg of this tour, Bruce seems like really pissed off. Uh, it seems like he has like a rant at like a fan or security or a rant about something at like most shows. So I went through like a bunch of bootlegs and like read up um, in Phoenix, Arizona, he went off about people moshing, did a rant. Houston, Texas, during the Klansman, he yells at a fan to stop smoking, like freaks out at him. In uh, St. Louis, Missouri, during Ghost of the Navigator, he yells at someone for, that has a laser pointer in the audience. Buffalo, New York, uh, he rants at security to get this guy in an eight ball jacket kicked out. And in Detroit, there's like a drunk fan being a moron that he loses it at. In Pennsylvania, uh, a fan's throwing beer and Bruce yells at him people are throwing stuff on the stage at in pittsburgh uh in san diego he yells at fans for fighting and he misses like messes up the lyrics at two minutes to midnight and los angeles has a fan on his cell phone that he like yells at which is something that in the year 2000 you would yell at i don't think you could yell at someone for being on their cell no, phone no. Now. now it's a sea of cell phones <laughs> someone was throwing ice on the stage during the san jose show and like a big part of hallowood's messed up because he's yelling at fans uh, Tacoma, Washington, he loses it for someone he, like throwing something on stage during Blood Brothers. Mm. Um, and then he finally gets to Vancouver after all these U.S. gigs, and he seems relieved. And, uh, you know, he seems like he's in a good mood again. <laughs> so I don't know if it's just like the audiences in, on at this time in America were just like really, really shitty. But, uh, you know, the rest of the tour, he doesn't seem to be that angry. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I don't know if it's the year 2000 and everyone's into, like, listening to corn. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know why that happened. But it's just something I really noticed listening to bootlegs from this tour. Yeah. There's a lot of shows in the U.S. too. It could have just been, you know, it was dragging on for him maybe. Yeah. I don't mm. know. Uh, anyway, that was the tour. I just had a few things I wanted to mention, especially that Yannick Fall was kind of creepy. Yeah, that's crazy. But uh, that's a great album. One thing I do want to play is a sound clip. Uh, Paul Lacayo sent this to us over a year ago. Yeah. Sent us a clip about Brave New World. And I said, when we did this album, I'm going to play it. I put it aside. Um, I've been sitting on this for like a year and a half, maybe. Wow. Uh, the other thing is he sent in emails before, and we called him Paul Lacayo, but his name is actually Paul Lacayo. So we've yeah. been saying it wrong the whole time. Paul's been emailing for since the beginning. Yes, he yeah. uh, has tons of uh, awesome. Oh yeah, great emails. I read a lot of them. Huge Maiden fan, awesome mm. guitar player too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, apparently he's been telling me about he's been going through the Maiden albums and learning to play every song, and I was like, yeah. wow. <laughs> anyway, here's what he had to say about uh, Brave New World. Hey guys, Paul from LA here. Really looking forward to when you guys do Brave New World, and wanted to weigh in with my love for this album. My biggest regret as a Maiden fan is getting into them three years too late. I would have loved to have seen this tour. Brave New World's my absolute favorite out of all the reunion material. Here's a few reasons why. I take this right over Power Slave because where that album has slightly better production, Power Slave only has one weak song, which is back in the village in my opinion. Brave New World doesn't have any weak songs whatsoever. 
The production on this one is by far the best out of all the reunion albums. It sounds gigantic, best way I can describe it, without being too loud or muddled. The clarity of the instruments is perfect. Nico's snare in particular sounds really punchy with every hit. The guitars are powerful without being too crunchy, and you can hear every word Bruce sings. The songs are the perfect blend of concise and to the point, medium length, typical maiden fair, and a few epics for good measure, but they don't overstay their welcome like some of the songs on more recent albums. The band sounds really hungry to prove themselves again on this, and they have their fire in full force. I love when any band sounds like that. And it's a perfectly structured album where if you got rid of one song, it loses what makes it special. You start with Wicker Man, hands down the best opening track on any of their albums, one of Adrian's best solos, then Ghost of the Navigator and Brave New World have fantastic, quieter intros, and they build at the right time, knock you over the head with a driving middle section. Blood Brothers, which I think is one of Maiden's most unique songs because it walks the line between a power ballad and a driving epic. I love the middle guitar lick, which Yannick plays between the two solos, and the lyrics are so powerful on this one, too. Mercenary, one of their heaviest and most kick-ass rockers besides Monsiger, and one of the best riffs they have. Dream of Mirrors would be my pick for an underrated Maiden song and one of my favorites in their whole catalog. It has It's long, but it's got plenty going for it. I love this the underlying guitar melody and the verses throughout this song probably their best one about being real or some crazy dream fallen angel balances it out with a great rocker also grew on me the most then you get into nomad which i find funny how yannick usually writes the eastern flavored sounding songs and this was a dave song i love the middle quiet section here in particular one of their best instrumental sections out of the silent planet while it's probably my least favorite on the album because of the repetitive chorus but I still love how big it sounds, and it keeps me hooked right until the end with Thin Line Between Love and Hate. Another quite unique song as to how it has four or five vastly different guitar solos sprinkled throughout the song. I love how powerful Bruce's voice sounds on the higher parts, and it kind of does the opposite effect, whereas the others build. This one kind of gently winds the album down. All the songs build so well. My only gripe is how repetitive the lyrics are in the chorus, but they don't overdo it to the point of long for the sake of long. Take care. I can't wait to hear more deep dives. That's now. That's how you. That's how. Just about thumbs it up. Yeah, that's how you do a call in. That was awesome. Yeah. That was well, well prepped. A year and a half yeah. worth of wait. Um, I loved everything he said except back in the village. He threw some shade on. <laughs> yeah. And, but he was dead right on uh, Wicker Man and Blood Brothers. And it yeah. is true what he says too about if you pulled one of these songs yeah. out, it wouldn't. You know, what, what would you swap in? You wouldn't. You wouldn't. <laughs> you don't know. But do you? Yeah, but do really you? Great. Do you think that Paul likes Iron Maiden? <laughs> Man, the passion. I love it. He's been a yeah. he's been a listener for a long time. He is. He's one of our yeah. most passionate listeners for sure. Yeah, that was, that was yeah. an awesome call. Yeah, he was, always sends me emails about yeah. uh, me and him getting into like nerdy geek guitar stuff where we like pick apart little guitar parts, which is kind of cool. Yeah, but I love getting emails like that from people. Yeah, I know. It's like I, I, I've, I've read a lot of them, but I mean, you guys go back and forth pages. Yeah. But uh, so if anyone wants to uh, leave a message, talkingmaiden.com slash talk. Yes. Or if you want to email us, talkingmaiden at gmail.com. Yeah. Facebook and Twitter, too. Yeah. But uh, that about does it for uh, Brave New World. Yeah, and all of the studio albums. We're done. And we did it. We did every album. We did every song. Yeah. We did. I think we did a pretty good job of covering everything Maiden. <laughs> yeah, we're getting we're getting there. I mean, yeah, we're getting there. Yeah, yeah. we got a few more things we want to cover, but yeah. we're not uh, we're not done yet. <laughs> no, we got to get back, and I'm looking forward to 
we have so much digging stuff to into talk everything about. else because we've been at this so long now. We got a lot of stuff queued up. Seven weeks of talking about one album and a lot of stuff yeah. to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So next week we'll just talk about a bunch of different maiden stuff, yeah. and we have so many emails to get to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Nesbitt, did you hear there's this? Uh, there's a virus on the go. I heard. <laughs> An evil virus is threatening mankind. Yes. Reflection on this this Guinness. Hmm. Anyone out there? A few more to see. Make up my mind. Yeah, I gotta gotta <laughs> decide. It's like like we say in Ireland, mother's milk. I've had great pints of Guinness, and I've had good pints of Guinness. I don't think I've ever had a bad pint of Guinness. I've I've had a few that that weren't up there, but yeah, uh, lackluster. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Uh, oh, I've got some stories on Guinness. We should also mention uh, our buddy Fox, who is one of our best buddies, who just started listening to the podcast at, at this episode. He just emailed us and said, I just finished episode one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so eventually in like a year from now, he'll finally catch up and he'll hear yeah, us. Yeah, he'll be now. like, yeah, in and, eight uh, years from now. So welcome, Fox, one of our best friends and biggest Maiden fans. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back next week and we're going to catch up on everything. we got so much to get into. But man, oh, yeah, uh, so Brave much. New World, uh, decent album. Yeah. Do you think we did this album I, justice in seven hours? Did. I think we did. I think if we did every album like this, we would be doing this podcast till 2024. Two hours on uh, Somewhere yeah. in Time, seven hours on Brave New World. Yeah. That's it. We might revisit the I remember your freshman. Should we do two episodes? Yes, we had a big, uh, we went out for pints and we're like, it's a bit much to uh, cover an album in one hour, but do people want to hear us talking for two hours about one thing? Meanwhile. I know. <laughs> So that's it. Every song, every album. We still got uh, some more stuff. Yeah, we got a bit to do. We got a bit to do. (laughs) All right. I guess that's it. Uh, Talkmaiden.com. You can leave us a message on there. Get us on Facebook. Get us on Twitter. And until next time, up the irons, down the hops. Mm